0: Hey everyone, it's Tom here, Alf Metallica, back with yet another episode of the show. Hope you're doing well. Today is going to be just myself on my TARD. It's going to be a freewheeling, rambling episode looking through Metallica books. You know, written about Metallica, most of them unofficial. There's a few tie ins as well. There's a few that the boys have put their name to, be it, uh, you know, children's books or explorations of Abbott and Costello and Frankenstein posters. So, this is something I've wanted to do for a while, really, and I've always been building towards it. And, you know, just before we get into everything, I want to say this is in no means an exhaustive bibliography as it were I have put the books in order I've you know went through Google went through my own collection and I think it's about 20 or so publications here so there's probably more I mean there's a fair few Metallica books like my friend Sam who does the Paul McCartney podcast we we're talking about this before and he wants to do a similar episode but obviously there's a fuck ton of Paul books not just Beatles books Paul books I mean Beatles books is Christ you need your own Library of Alexandra for those tomes so Yeah, what I want to do is just go from the beginning. um, You know, the books that I have in front of me, I'll sort of leaf through and point out anything interesting. These aren't going to be in-depth, you know, the New Yorker sort of dissecting the writing technique and the style and, you know, the the way they're all choreographed in that way. I'm just going to be giving my opinions on the books. In many cases, I haven't read a lot of these books. You know, we're going to get on to, for example, Frayed Ends of Metal. 1995, second book we're going to talk about by Chris Crocker. I'm sure some of you may have read that book out there. So I'm just going to, you know, let you know who wrote it, let you know when it came out, what it's called, what it's about. Obviously, it's about Metallica, but what sort of aspect of Metallica it's about. Um, And I've tried to, with any of the books that I haven't read, find some reviews as well, or or, or find something that puts it into some sort of context so you can appreciate uh, what's going on in the pages. You know, obviously, books are very important to the show uh, on the research aspect, especially when I was doing the original run of the songs. I would always go to, you know, my trusty copies of uh, Enter Night and Into the Black, etc., rush to the indexes and see what sentence or two had been written about the song that I could shoehorn in or perhaps uh, pilfer for my own inspired musings. So um yeah, just before we get to today's list of books, of course, as always, if you enjoy the show and you want to give back to the show, there are many ways you can do that. You can support us over on Twitter. You can follow us at MetallicaPod. If you want to come on the show and discuss something, you know, it's great to hear from people. I'm, you know, getting emails fairly often. I am always looking for guests as well. Just had an email, actually. Let me just read this email out because uh, I just thought it was quite interesting that uh, the, the listener asked because uh, I just started listening to the show I think about a week ago or so and the listener asked if I'd covered a certain thing and uh, you know as fate would have it I mean we're at the point now in Alpha Vitalica where I've covered most things other than books and some kind of monster and a few other things but you know most things but uh, what he was looking for we had actually done an episode on with Luke uh, a little while ago so uh, yeah this email comes from uh, my man Richard he says, hey Tom, loving the podcast. Got into it quite late, only a week or so ago. and I'm going through the songs album by album from the great beginnings to the present. During the Leper Messiah episode, you mentioned the Fight Star cover on the Koran compilation. I've had a chance to go for every episode you've done, but I wondered if you had, were interested in doing one on that compilation. It's quite interesting to look at the bands, their song choices in relation to their own style, the influence Metallica had on their own music and the covers themselves. Could be a fun one to do when the main run is over. And uh, yeah, obviously, I let Rich know. Thanks, Rich, for getting in touch. Rich from Brighton. Uh, let him know that me and Luke did cover the Koran compilation, so for those unaware, this was the, I guess it was yeah, the twentieth twentieth anniversary. So Fightstar were on there. Fightstar is a band that all my British compadres are probably familiar with. Where Busted, who were like the kind of proto Jonas Brothers, although I think they wrote their own songs. Did the Jonas Brothers write their own songs? I mean, I don't get they're better than Jonas Brothers anyway. Busted and Charlie, the the edgy one, you know, the uh, the, the Ron Nasty as it were. He went off formed his own post hardcore band called Fight Star and they covered Left Messiah on that Koran compilation and it's quite good and Trivium are on there and uh, Mastodon and I can't remember who covers off the top of my head Disposable Heroes but it's a real like guttural like the way it's sung and the kind of scrapey guitar I remember that version being really good so um, so so yeah lots of stuff MetallicaBot.gmail.com is obviously the best way the Twitter as well leave us a review on iTunes check out what people have been saying on iTunes please tell a friend about the show as well I know there is the big boys over there overseas Clement and me Metal your podcast, and I love those guys dearly, love going on the show, love when they have them on here, and, you know, and they're, they're the titans, of course, but, uh, you know, I like to think that we're kind of uh, maintaining second place, as it were, and we're exploring areas of the Metallica mythos that, that necessarily maybe they wouldn't, or as of yet, not covered, although I am doing the 30th anniversary show soon, which they covered early on as well, but, you know, it's Metallica, it's this big tapestry that we all love, of course, if you really, really enjoy the show, and want to get back to the show, you can support us on Patreon. Um, you know we have quite a few supporters over there. Thank you to everyone that does that, who donates, and basically that is premium access. So episodes like this, or you know, time me recording this, the Glastonbury episode just went live. That was on the Patreon for like a month or so before it drops in the main feed and the compilation episodes and stuff like that. So that's just you know my way of saying thank you, giving you first listen, first access to stuff like that. Uh, yeah, that's about it really. Um, we did have a YouTube channel, it was taken down, I'm still fighting to get that back. So uh, yeah, I guess I want to just reiterate if you want to come on the show, or if you want to correspond, or indeed, actually, I do want to hear from people on this episode, uh, MetallicaPod.gmail.com, because have you read the books that I'm talking about? Or maybe you've read the books that I haven't read myself, or maybe there's books that I've missed, or, you know, maybe uh, there's certain chapters in histories of metal or music where Metallica are mentioned, or, you know, um, I know, for example, is it Stephen DeWitt? I think he this to this book, How Music Got Free. Which is kind of the birth of the uh of the MP3 and and Napster and LimeWire and all that stuff. And I remember there was a little bit of a section on Metallica in that as well. So um let me know. You know, uh it'd be cool maybe to do a follow-up episode for this in the future where we cover books we haven't read or, you know, um I can go back and do a bit more research or hear from you guys on the uh bibliography as it were. But um we've got quite a few books to get into today. So why don't we kick off with what I think is one of the earliest Metallica books. You know, actually in print as opposed to just like, I don't know, a, a fanzine or something like this. This is, um, so I'm holding this you might be able to hear the, hear the spine there. This is uh, Metallica Unbound by K.J. Dalton. This is from 1993. Uh, it's titled The Unofficial Biography. The boys are on the front in their uh, just black album pomp. They all kind of look like the Cowardly Lion in some way. And uh, this is a really good book, actually. This was a book that I picked up when I started doing the show, just for a bit more research. And it's very in-depth. Tons of colour photos. It's you know, books back in the 90s or the 80s or whatever, they were just a bit larger. Like, you know, it's it's more of an A4 kind of uh, visage here. Tons of colour images just flicking through. A lot of text as well. Um, KJ, you know, seemed to know the guys. And it's less scholarly than some of the books we're going to get into later on. More conversational in tone. And reading a few reviews online, it seems as... Um, quite a few mistakes in the book as well. Here's a quote from review. This is quite. A, this is a pretty good biography, but there are a lot of errors in it, and it's a bit surprising that the publisher didn't proof it better. As somewhat obvious, like having Lars and James living in two cities at the same time, one that doesn't even exist, the author wrote in one paragraph it was La Brea, but got it right in the next with Brea, and Lars must have been really rich back in the baloney sandwich days to afford to live in both Newport Beach and Huntington Beach, and those cities are in Orange County, as in Anaheim. So, So yeah, I mean, this is obviously stuff that I didn't really realise reading it um but this is a great book and you know it has a lot of detail on um flotsam and jetsam and, and jason's early era and spastic children and one of the cool things as well so obviously by the time this book comes out you know probably the reason this book's coming out is metallica are, you know one of the biggest bands in the world um the black album tour would have been going on at this point and in the final so the final sort of 12 pages of the book is a giant James Hetfield interview uh, done at the time which is really really cool and it's basically uh, let's have a look how did it start uh, this is how it starts James Hetfield is a lanky hulking lumberjack of a man with a lived in look showing the abrasion and decay both physical and psychic that he's unapologetically undergone in the past decade so this is basically KJ Downton meets James at his home and this is just before they fly to Seattle to finish off the uh, the Guns and Metallica tour obviously check out the episode I did a few years ago it was sort of a tour diary. I went through all the dates there but But, um, yeah, this is a great interview. I mean, they speak a lot about being on the Monsters of Rock, and, um, he's asked, did Metallica get along well with Van Halen? James says, oh yeah, they were partiers, no doubt. I couldn't believe how a band could be around that long and party hardcore like that. We were also on tour with Dokken. George and Don would be fighting all the fucking time. George is a strange character. He'd get drunk and throw his guitar at his roadie, fire him every day. I couldn't stand how he could treat someone like that. After that tour, I went back to a lot of cities when we came back out on our own, and people, uh, didn't like me, and I didn't know why. People would come up to me, yeah, you don't remember grabbing my girlfriend's tits or something really rude I'd done when I was really fucked up and didn't basically remember what was going on. You'd come back into town, hey, how's it going? And people would give you the evil eye. So yeah, this is an awesome uh, thing here. They speak about the release party at Madison Square Garden and uh, being at the MTV Awards and, you know, playing with Ozzy and um, quite a good section as well on the uh, conservative critics of Don't Tread on Me and, you know, the kind of politically incorrect idea there that it was exploring. Then there's some uh, Metallica merchandise at the back of this book as well. So, um, yeah, I did go onto the Metallica forums as well and people have shared their bookshelves. And this seems to be one of the ones that a lot of people have. So, yeah, that's uh, K.J. Downton's Metallica Unbound Okay, and book two is a book I've never read, like a lot of these books. This is called Frayed Ends of Metal, that I mentioned before, by Chris Crocker, from 1995. And, you know, this always happens with bands, doesn't it? Like, uh, I remember I had a book about Guns N' Roses when I was just getting into and called it The Band That Time Forgot, or something, and it was always in Music Zone, which is a defunct retail outlet in the UK. And, uh, I think I got for like two quid or something like that, and certainly when you go to HMV here as well, you can get like two for five and so, You know, books for a dime a dozen. And even at the time, even when I didn't really know much about Guns N' Roses, I was like, "This isn't very." That wasn't the detail. It felt very slapdash. And this seems to be the response also to this book. Again, guys, any of these books that you've read, let me know at We'll read them out in a future edition. So, um, not got much for this one. Nineteen ninety five. So preload. Here's a review. Uh, from that 20 years ago 2 out of 5 stars Weak the writer Chris Crocker made no attempt to hide the fact that he never ever talked to Metallica's people. The book is entirely based on quotes from the band's members on rock magazines, fanzines and MTV interviews. He did a good job linking these interviews, nothing more than that. He also made a ridiculously short introduction to, rock, some, to the rock scene at the time of Metallica's beginning. The overall result is a weird kind of biography. Even knowing that, even knowing that it's unauthorised, he has a good writing style no doubt, but the facts are well known and of course are all taken from other magazines. So next book we have is from 1998. This is Metallica: Fuel and Fire, the Illustrated Collector's Guide to Metallica by Sam Hadland. And uh, this book was really well received. Actually, Uh, I flicked through it on Amazon, and you know one of the great things for these type of books, dear listeners, is like you have like your Amazon, you know, read inside, or uh, you know the Google the scholar or the books and stuff. And uh, often the previews are incredibly generous and you can kind of scout through and it's not like one or two pages there. So here's a review on this book, Metallica, Fuel and Fire. I bought this book by mistake, but I'm really glad I did. It's a Metallica's collector's must-have. If you're a collector of anything Metallica, from rare vinyl, vinyl singles, CDs, CD singles, bootlegs, videos, promos, cassettes, fan cans, etc., this guide gives you information on every Metallica release from every country. Mostly black and white. It has a colour section in the middle. It also comes with an interview CD. The author also provides his web address. He has a great website, too. Now, I couldn't find his website, because I was thinking maybe I should get this guy on the show, or at least reach out to him in some capacity, but I couldn't seem to get on their website. Maybe I need to consult the Wayback Machine. And uh, yeah, you know, a few other reviews as well say that one of the great things is that it has this huge uh, discography in the background, which would be very valuable. I mean, this is 98. So I know the internet pretty much was mainstream at this point, but still not quite to the extent it is now. So, yes, yeah, stuff like this would be really useful. And of course, there was the So What magazine as well, but you know, not everyone would subscribe to that. And we will get to a collection of So What later on in this edition of books. So the next book is a book, I mean, there seems to be a bit of a gap here. Again, I'm not like maybe I'm missing out some legendary books here on Metallica, but uh, I think I've covered most of them. So there seemed to be a bit of a gap here, and then we get into the post saint anger era, and there's just an explosion of books. And this book, of course, is a book that most people have read that is regarded you know in many ways as the definitive biography on Metallica Lars himself had called it very professional you know being asked to sign copies of the book all around the world this is Joel McIver's Metallica Justice for All Ow. This is Joel McIver's Justice for All, The Truth About Metallica. And this is an absolutely superb book. I was lucky enough to have Joel on the show about a year ago, and we spoke about the book. So let's just take a quick listen here. But getting into the Metallica yeah. book then, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan, as I'm sure you are, of just musical biographies in general and biographers. Like, I love yes, Barney. So,
1: they're, so well done. I mean, I, I yeah. have my favorites. You mentioned Martin Popoff earlier. Yes. Uh, who's a really good friend of mine and a, and a real example to me, actually. Yeah, he's um,
0: amazing. So-
1: yeah, so when you when you get someone like that uh, sort of blazing the trail as Martin did, um, then you've got some big boots to fill. And the other um, uh, author whose work I've always admired is Mick Wall, of course. who himself did a brilliant Metallica book some years uh-huh. after mine. Um, and uh, actually, with I've just done a spent a year doing a podcast with him Yes. Wars. Um, and uh, so so I guess if you want to talk about that book, then um, the reason why I did it was that there was no large format proper sized book in 2003 when I thought of it um, that, that existed which is amazing to think about now they were already at the St. Anger era and no one had done a, a proper big doorstop of a book there had there was a thing called Frayed Ends of Sanity yeah. I think there and were,
0: there was were... there was also one called Metallica Unbound I don't know if so you're that's familiar with that a good one book. yeah and that's
1: by uh, KJ, KJ uh, Dalton. And, yeah and he's I've, I've, I've spoken to him a lot over the years he's a really nice guy as mm. well and his was the his was the only real printed authority to, uh, sort of authoritative book at the time. Um, try to think what else there was. There might there was a Metallica in their own words, you know, and little yeah. things like. That.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: There wasn't a proper massive analytical book, and mine was massive. You know, it was 150,000 oh, yeah. um, words, and I I had to sell this idea to Omnibus. I remember quite um, diligently, and they in the end they went for it in 2004. No, wait, in 2002 I would have written it because. I remember clearly because it came out in 03 because that's the year when my daughter Alice was born, right. and the book is dedicated to her. So um, because she she arrived like a you know a week after it was finished or something like that, I had to really really uh, I had to really sort of hurry up you know, mm-hmm. to get it done in time. Anyway, yeah, so uh, that was so I guess in 2002 was when the deal was signed. So back then, yeah, there just wasn't a book. So it was a case of isolating a, an opportunity. Looking for a market um, and doing the band justice as much as I possibly could uh, in an, au- an unauthorised book, um, but people just lined up to be interviewed for it. Um, I think I did a hundred interviews or something. Um, I, I got a hold of pretty much everybody. I'd already interviewed. Um, I'm sure I'd interviewed Lars and James at that point, um, so I, I could I could refer to those interviews that I had I had done with them. Um, Tom uh, Tom Gabriel Fisher uh, then of Celtic Frost or later of Celtic Frost now of Trypticon did an amazing foreword mm-hmm. which was full of appreciation um, and that book came out really really well it came out so well and it was a bestseller in a couple of territories notably Finland which is an incredibly heavy metal country
0: yes.
1: um, and, and did really really well quickly sold 50,000 copies in like 12 languages and it's probably maxed out at this point I would think um although people are still buying it which i know because i get royalties from it twice a year nice uh, which which is nice yeah, yeah. and uh, and uh so yeah and it's been reprinted tons of times it just keeps going that book
0: and and structurally in, in terms yeah. of writing a book like this obviously you've done so many of them so you probably have a method like do you do it you know kind of straight through do you do multiple chapters at once do you keep coming back adding
1: quotes um so this is non-fiction. So I try to do um, these biographies in chronological order. It doesn't have to be that way. Um, and you can break up the chronology with various think pieces or think chapters, as I did with my Slayer book from a few years later. Right. Um, and you can be you can be thematic rather than chronological, if you will, if you wish. I've done that a couple of times. Um, but with Metallica, the story was so big and it was so important to – as it was going to be the first big book on them, uh, to to do it clearly and well, I decided just to tell the story from the beginning. Um, But I did throw in every now and then a chapter devoted to a popular myth about them, um, which seems a little bit shallow thinking now, but at the time it seemed to make sense. Um, Not shallow, it seemed to overthink it a little bit, I think, now when I think about it. But nonetheless, the results were good. So I did a bit of investigating into Cliff's death, for example, um so the idea behind that was that uh you know the received wisdom tells us that the bus skidded on black ice um and cliff was thrown from the bus and died and so i managed to you know, i tracked down i tracked down the first guy on the scene who was the photographer from the local newspaper um who photographed it and he was adamant that there was no black ice mm. uh, Which indicates that it must have been a malfunction of the bus or an error on the part of the driver. So I spoke to the person who employed that driver and that was someone at Music for Nations um, who uh, was very helpful up to the point where I asked for the identity of the driver and wisely i guess on his part decided to stonewall me a bit there
0: and you know it's so thorough and detailed in its research um joel had a background in journalism and has written a hell of a lot of books for a hell of a lot of people and uh you know it's stacked it goes from the earliest days from downey and before and you know chapter wise it's it, it was re-released as well the version i've got the updated edition uh from 2009 but yeah so it's basically just each chapter is before 1980 1980 to 81, 81 to 82 etc and goes through all the story of the boys uh and you know what i like as well splattered in between all of that are these the truth chapters so we have the truth about thrash metal the truth about cliff Burton, and the truth about master of puppets cliff's death load and reload napster and then finally the truth about metallica as well and you know, these are great because they just skewer so many of the myths and stereotypes. And, you know, some people have complained that Joel is perhaps uh, a little biased, but that's what you want to see with a biography. Obviously, you want to get all your facts in order. And he's done that completely. And he's interviewed so many people and, you know, really gone everywhere with it, you know, covered everything from uh, the Napster stuff to the St. Anger stuff to, you know, Death Magnetic and the new book. It's really unvarnished truth. But, you know, he does, uh, he, he sticks is Oren, as it were, and uh, I I delighted in the Load and Reload chapters for obvious reasons, and, uh, you know, he writes with real venom as well, and and, and real zeal, so, uh, yeah, this, in my opinion, is probably the best Metallica biography that I've read, Uh, there's a lot that are neck and neck that we're going to go through as we go through, but, um, you know, real exhaustive in his research, and kind of perfect for uh, fellow obsessives like ourselves. Okay, next up, also 2004, is a book that, um, is our first official Metallica tie-in, as it were. This is So What? The Good, The Mad, and The Ugly, edit, edited by Stefan Chirazi. So, um, Stefan, obviously, you know, kind of the the inside man, really, Metallica, and So What? And all this sort of stuff. For people not aware, So What? was Metallica's uh, official magazine that started in the Black Album era, and I think is still going in some form, but certainly its heyday was the first decade or so. And, um, you know me buying this really so this is basically a compilation of all the best articles and it's just got you know tons of stuff from all the magazines and anyone that's read the magazine it's not only the level of detail that's in there but also just the level of design and intricacy and I love the way the articles are put together like you know it's a throwback to an older era when the web page wasn't king when html wasn't you know the be all and end all when it was all about kind of organizing text and images and, and putting them forward into a kind of compelling way and as you just as I'm flipped through. This now, you know, there is nothing mundane or rote about this. It's going, just yeah, it's kind of hard to put into words how well this is fashioned together. So uh, yeah, so this is basically a guide from the early days. So it's split up into uh, six chapters. So it goes from kind of you know the prehistory of Metallica, uh, and then just following you know rips really from all the so what stuff so we get to hear about all the boys and all their wants and needs and long articles from you know uh, Torburn on Lars and then stuff where it's all of the guys uh, stewing on Jason and then it's more about them looking at other members and you know 97 when they went here and they go to this place and interviews with the crew and everything like this and um the infamous article that I'm just looking at now from Russia with love question mark where James went on to his eastern Siberian hunting trip and uh yeah it's a, a wonderful volume you know a sort of coffee table volume as it were in a dust jacket and uh goes up until well yeah goes up until uh, 2004 as the boys were resurgent on the and Angle with the world tour and um you know I mean if you've not dot space for all the so what issues or whatever, you know, I personally would love to have a complete collection of those, but this is a great kind of introduction, a great illustrated chronicle of what makes that magazine so brilliant. So uh, yeah, this is uh, So What? The Good, The Mad, and The Ugly by Stefan Chirazi. Following this in 2005, uh, we have another official book. This is the Metallica This Monster Lives by Joel Berlinger and Greg Milner. This is the inside story of the hit film Metallica Some Kind of Monster. So let's just look at the back. This official behind the scenes book reveals the stories that did not make the final cut capturing the energy, uncertainty and ultimate triumph of both the filming and Metallica's bid for survival. It shares intimate details of the band's struggles amid personnel changes of addiction, fatherhood, near total disintegration and backlash from once loyal fans. One of the few witnesses to the intensive group sessions and numerous band meetings Joel Berlinger's account of filming the band is the most honest and deeply probing book about Metallica or any rock band ever written. So, um, so yeah this was an early book that I got when I was getting into the band and, you know when I was like 12 13 or something like that and obviously yeah this is kind of a, uh, a brilliant film diary incredibly detailed um, you know I remember reading it and feeling that a lot of it is kind of Joel grasping with because they've done Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows and it was a lot of him kind of dealing with the failure of that and, and and looking inward in some certain ways but still obviously there's tons of Metallica stuff it's really well laid out as well Lots of transcriptions of scenes that we never see uh, in the film at all, not even in the bonus material. Lots of uh, just just looking to the creative process and interrogation of that. Uh, I love the end as well. So the end, the appendix, has what's called the Oslo interview. So this was in December 2003. I travelled to Oslo, Norway, to let Metallica reflect on the last two and a half years of their lives spent under the glare of our cameras. Some kind of monster began and ended with Metallica's cooperation, so it seems only fitting to give them the last word. So yeah, this is a great long-form chat at the end. And, uh, you know, this quote from James as well. Obviously, these guys, you know, were famous for their documentaries. Uh, Bruce Sanofsky um, didn't co-write this book. Obviously, Greg Milner, the film journalist, helped co-write it. But um, the guys who directed Some Kind of Monster, originally in Paradise Lost, uh, The Child Murders at Robin Hood Hills, which is about the West Memphis Free. And James references that. So this is the final thing in the whole book. James, you know, nobody thought this film would be the big deal that it is now. Yeah, starting off as some promotional TV commercial and then getting to this is great. And no one was murdered. They didn't have to be a murder for it to be a good documentary like your other ones. So uh, James speaking truth to wisdom there. And um, again, guys, maybe I should have reread these books more closely to give you more detailed reviews. But as I say, this is more of an overview, uh, you know, just highlighting stuff that you might not be aware of. And this is certainly one that I'm going to put on my bedside table and go back through because it is just... Stacked, stuffed with so much detail. And, um, you know, I love the insight that it gives. And the cover as well. I don't know what the different editions are, of, but uh, my cover from Robson Books, the imprint, is uh, the boys on stage just lit from above in this kind of, you know, halo of ire, if you will. And uh, you can see the stage as well kind of darkened at the edge. Really, really powerful cover. So that's uh, Metallica, this monster lives. Going forward now to 2007. And uh, this was the Metallica and Philosophy book, which I used to have... I think when we moved places, I lost or misplaced it or whatever, and you know, you may be familiar, there seems to be tons of these books, X and Philosophy, you know, I've seen like uh, Inception and Philosophy at certain bookstores, The Simpsons and Philosophy, I'm pretty sure there's the Final Fantasy and Philosophy that I've seen the cover of online or something, so... Let's have a look at the background uh, and the blurb. Metallica is the thinking man's metal band, and the headbanger's CNN. Snobs and music critics have often dismiss Metallica as mindless noise. We're here to set the record straight. In, quote, pursuit of truth, no matter where it lies, the book considers new twists on questions that philosophers have been pondering for ages, including, does Metallica's music provide an Aristotelian catharsis, or does it just make kids go postal? Can fade to black save you from suicide? Are we all in the sanitarium? How can we escape to be free okay that's a bit tenuous uh what can Nietzsche tell us about the god that failed what can Descartes and Juan tell us about the relationship between the mind and the body did Lars make a sound argument against Napster so you know the deal with these sort of books people and I think the problem is that this brand you know It's not going to satisfy either camp, Uh, neither Metallica fans or Philosophy fans. And I did leaf through it, and I do remember it being a little bogged down and shoehorned. And, you know, guys, I'm not really a big... Like, I'm interested in Philosophy culturally but I've got no kind of grounding in it I find it quite murky and and, and difficult and dense Uh, and I found a lot of the kind of writings about Metallica in it a little trite to be honest with you I will say though I remember doing an early episode Metallica versus Napster. I've explored that whole thing, and uh, there was a chapter on that in here that was less about you know weighing up the moral ethics and more just a great report really uh, on kind of the, the lawmaking in place and, and that that whole ideology. So um, that was useful. But uh, there's a few quotes on the back as well. Scott Ian, guitarist for Anthrax, says the most elucidative, interesting word, dissertation on Metallica ever written, and a kick-ass read to boot. And also John McIver, who mentioned before, says Metallica and Philosophy is at long last the book which finally gives everyone's favourite headbangers due credit for being intelligent, questioning, and even cerebral. So uh, yeah, maybe I need to dig back into that. But that was 2007, Metallica and Philosophy. So push forward now. Ross Halfin, the legendary music photographer, he released in 2010, The Ultimate Metallica. So, this is basically, uh, I've not read this one either, although I think I've leafed through it in a bookstore here and there. So, you know, he was there since the beginning. And this book essentially collects, you know, the best of his amazing images taken over the years with the exclusive access that was granted to him as the band's main lensman. So, this is just from the blurb here. His candid photographs taken on stage, backstage, on and off tour are supplemented by texts from many people close to the band, including managers and music writers, plus some colourful personal observations from Halfin himself. Now, looking at the reviews, it's very hot and cold. You know, people. They love the book for what it is as a kind of, you know, photojournalism with the essays played in between. Like, you know, we've seen this with so many other bands. But apparently, airbrushing is rampant here. And um, yeah, people do not like it. So here's a review. This was not a comprehensive enough compilation to warrant the title of Ultimate, in my opinion. My biggest gripe, however, is the treatment of a lot of the photos. For the sake of the book, some photos were altered by means of Photoshop filters, etc. I have three concert program books of Metallica that are filled with Halfin photos, and many magazines with photos shot by Halfin, so I've seen most of the images included in the Ultimate Metallica book, and I know what photos have been altered. I feel that altering was completely unnecessary. Blowing out the contrast and adding a super grainy effect to a photo doesn't make it more interesting. Quite the Opposite. So, uh, yeah, intriguing actually. I'm sure a lot of the photos that I would have seen in um, KJ Downton's Metallica Unbound has tons and tons of stuff in there. So, um, yeah, bit of a shame that. Bit odd that Ross would do that. I'm not sure who's, uh, who's thinking that was there. But that's The Ultimate Metallica from 2010. Again, another book, I'm doing a whole podcast about Metallica books, another book that I haven't read. And the next one I haven't read either. This is uh, Nothing Else Matters uh, Metallica. Another biography here, Tom King is one of the writers, there were two writers, Michael Smith uh, was the editor, sorry, as well. Never really heard of this, to be honest, but obviously for a band as big as Metallica, there's going to be tons and tons of books. One out of five stars, so says a reviewer from the United Kingdom. As clearly stated on the back, this is an unauthorized publication that Metallica or their management have not agreed to, so at least that's printed on the back cover. The book looked nice and glossy, some good pictures, not many, not bad interviews. However, the DVDs included a rubbish. It's four discs of some music guys talking about the band and their tracks. No music from Metallica. So uh, yeah, this just seems a bit of a heartless cash-in. That's nothing else matters by uh, Tom King 2011. Also in 2011, of course we have Murder in the Front Row. This uh another kind of photojournalistic book here. Uh this was recently turned into a documentary that I'm yet to see. This is a book by Brian Liu and Harold Oymian. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. But uh yeah, both of these guys are I think so Brian was on Dean Delray, I'm sure a lot of you guys listen to Dean Delray if you don't he's kind of like a Uh, Joe Rogan of rock stars if you will um slightly different guys but uh he had Fresh January he had Kirk on and he had loads of people on and in the past had like Alex Skolnick on and you know tons of people Slagle etc um so him and Brian Lou spoke about this, and you know, I'm sure a lot of people will be familiar with this as well. This is murder in the front row. Shots from the Bay Area Fresh Metal Epicenter. I mean, that just sounds so epic. So um, yeah, I was not actually ever read this book. Uh I do want to get this, actually. I do want to get my hands on this. But um, you know, like most things it's on YouTube, so there are people on YouTube leafing through these tomes, and this is one of them, and, uh, you know, there's so many amazing shots in here, Cliff's first rehearsal, the mini essays, full double page spreads, and action shots, of course, it's not just about Metallica, but there's a lot of Metallica in the Exodus, etc., there's, um, you know, uh darker bands as well, like Deaf and Possessed and there's even Kerry King, Skinny without tattoos and with hair, which is probably the most terrifying thing. Very dark time. And postcards that the bands have been sent from around the world and a thank you note from Dave Mustaine. And uh yeah this looks like absolutely terrific book that I certainly want to check out. But uh yeah if you're in the uh in the market but something that um, you know it's just going to really make you feel like you were you were headbanging there at roofies or whatever. Then uh, check out Murder in the Front Row. 2012 comes along and we get a lot of big Metallica books in the following year, including Enter Night by Mick Wall. Mick Wall, who you know is kind of one of the de facto kind of Kerrang guys. This is an excellent biography. I mean, Mick he just seems to live and breathe for writing these rock biographies and uh, oh it looks like this was in 2010 sorry not 2012 but you know what i mean it's only a few years after so the edition that i have is in 2012 but uh, 2010 is when this came out back there with uh, ross halfins the ultimate photoshop metallica so uh yeah i love this book i've got to say that um i think it's really precisely written like you can tell that this guy was reading those um you know journalistic uh stables. And a lot of the interviews that are drawn from are stuff at the time, and you can tell that he just has such a good relationship with the BAM and the people involved, and he really knows his stuff. I will say... Some of his opinions are weird. He seems to be really against justice and seems to think that harvest is boring, which I can't really conceive of. He certainly hates a lot of the same things I do in the later era, which gets uh, brownie points from me, Mick. But um but 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 yeah, regardless of that, just in terms of like, you know, putting the putting the story together and putting all the pieces in order and all the details as well, this is a marvellous edition. And um, you know, it's really this and Justice for All that I would kind of put there, you know, 1A, 1B kind of thing if you really want a Metallica biography. And uh this edition as well as the one that I'm holding has been fully updated, so up until Death Magnetic. So I don't think any biography has actually updated themselves to the hardwired era. Maybe it would make more sense for the new album to come out or for them to return to touring, because then you would have the sort of you know James Rehab stuff as well, I suppose. But um but yeah, end tonight. I'm sure most of you seen this, definitely worth picking up if you are not read it already okay now this is a really surprising book this is Too Much Horror Business by Kirk Hammett so as I'm sure everyone's aware Kirk is a horror you know obsessive a film junkie someone whose you know taste spirals all the way back from Nosferatu all the way up to you can you know Ray Harryhausen and Abbott Costello and Frankenstein and all that sort of stuff so yeah this is A book of his collection. It's essentially kind of, you know, going into his house and seeing everything he has and all the masks and all the props and all the toys and all the associated merch and, you know, all the old posters that he has and all that sort of stuff. And, um, You know, if you're a hardcore fan of this sort of stuff, of Kirk, of Metallica, then, uh, you know, it's a must-buy. It's very expensive, mind. Again, on YouTube, there was someone leafing through it, so I did get a good look inside, and it was uh, great to see. But, um, yeah, I popped onto eBay. No, sorry, I popped onto Amazon, Amazon UK, and there's a version for £900 new. That was the only one available. Clearly, it was quite a small printing run. And then uh, someone on the Twitter at MetallicaPod actually let me know that on uh, eBay you can get it a bit cheaper, well, a lot cheaper for sixty quid. And you know, it's a cool book. It's um, you know, it's kind of split into two. No, sorry, split into three parts. So we obviously got our um, introduction, deemed from the cave of the unholy one, and then part one is movie posters and props. So each part begins with a conversation with Kurt. And then the kind of sub-chapters in there. So it's like, you know, it goes from the 1920s, 1930s, 40s, 50s, up and up and up. Uh, Part two is toys and masks. Again, we get a conversation and then we get the toys from the 60s and 70s and the masks. And then part three is the artwork uh, associated with those movies and that whole culture. So, um, yeah, it's really cool, actually. And there was an exhibition that was touring and this was kind of tied into it. And, uh, you know, there's that famous shot. I think it's from 1987, where he's sitting on the floor and he's surrounded by all his comic books and he's like Gundam Wing and all that sort of stuff. And they actually recreate that shot in the book, like modern modernize it on the other page. And, uh, you know, it's beautifully put together, kind of like So What? It has that artisanal attention to detail. And I mean, for me, I'm not necessarily a giant horror guy, but I am just a big pop culture guy, big film guy, love toys as well. So uh, yeah, I would love to actually get my hands on this and and get through it. I mean, it it is like something from a crypt, you know, it's just really thick. It's like something unearthed from a catacomb or something. And I love the fact you open it up and instantly you see the creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, Gilman, I believe that is. And uh, yeah, so this is uh, another awesome book. And it's great to see books by the members of the band about their passions. Like I know Geddy Lee recently did a Geddy's big book of bass or something, which I really want to get my hands on. I'm sure, you know, Rob could do something on Jacko. And and James did something. We'll get to reclaim Rust in a moment. And Lars could certainly do something about, you know, I don't know, Basquiat or or Glastonbury or whatever his passions are these days. So, uh, yeah, that was the um, too much horror business. 2013 saw the release of another cash-in. You know, another thing that I don't think too much thought was put into. But this is a bit of a better reaction. This is called The Thrash Dash uh, by Jerry Ewing. So you may have seen these type of things where it's a book, but it's also like a box with memorabilia and stickers and like a DVD and maybe a CD-ROM or something. So this is actually reviewed on a website. So This is reviewed by... um Kevin Wizbicky, Sorry Kevin, I'm definitely seeing that wrong. He says, uh, the story of Metallica has been told many times before, both in books and on film. Still, fans will find this book, another Metallica bio, a must-have. The band's history is here, from early 80s beginnings through to the poorly received 2011 Lulu collaboration with Lou Reed, and Ewing's narrative is augmented with lots of photographs, many of them rare, and a list of bootlegs that will make the Metallica completest drool. But the book, a box set really, isn't called the fresh stash for nothing, and stash A Plenty there is. The hardcover book is presented in sort of scrapbook form with lots of pockets holding all kinds of goodies. The front and back covers each hold posters, one from a sold out show in Belgium during the 1993 Weathering air Rome tour and the other touting a 1985 concert in Oakland. These are replicas of course as are the other insertions found throughout the book. Mostly tickets, flyers, mini posters and a couple of peel and stick special access passes. Two of the coolest inserts are a band statement from the Troubadour in LA showing that Metallica got paid a whopping $36.90 for a 1982 show and a Guitar Centre receipt made out out to Cliff Burton, that's so cool, showing that the late bass player paid $1,100 for a Lembic guitar case and strap. There are 20 enclosures in all, some of them are a little more delicate, and these perhaps should be removed to a safer location if the book is left out for guests to fondle. And owners of the fresh Dash will definitely want to show it off. For storage on a bookshelf though, the whole thing comes in a sturdy and illustrated slipcase that will keep the set well protected. Well hey, this actually sounds pretty decent, the fresh Dash 2013, so uh, yeah, shout out to Jerry Ewing. The next thing, now, I was thinking whether to include this, because if you go on Amazon and search Metallica Books, it does come up, I mean, I don't, I, I, you can buy it, it, it's printed, but this seems a little more suited to JSTOR, if anyone's familiar with that kind of academic yellow pages that universities use, so it's... it's a book but it looks like a very academic book so this is from 2013 this is called Damage Incorporated colon Metallica and the production of Musical Identity by Glenn Pillsbury and um you know it's just when you when you look at it on amazon it's kind of like it's like a kind of you know like like a like a scholastic paper is the feel you get from it rather than uh rather than the dash so uh here's the bio damage incorporated is the first book about the legendary heavy metal band metallica that provides a detailed exploration of the group's music and its place in the wider popular music landscape i mean i don't think that's true glenn but okay Realm with a broad readership in mind it offers an interdisciplinary study that incorporates a range of topics which intersect with the band's musical and cultural Influence for students of popular culture, mass media, and music, *Damage Incorporated* will be necessary reading, and sets a new standard for the study and exploration of metal within the field of popular music studies. So, uh, yeah, there was just one review that I could find on here—a very quick review from the uh, U.S. in 2007. An intellectual ass-kicking. Whoa, dude! I was totally blown away by this. So, <laughs> if that isn't uh, if that isn't a ringing endorsement, I don't know what is. Now, next book I want to talk about is again. Like my man Joel, someone that I've had on the show, someone that I'm a giant fan of in general, Mr. Martin Popov. This is from 2013. This is Metallica, The Complete Illustrated History. So this is, you know, people will be familiar with Martin, the Canadian uh, heavy metal journalist, rock journalist, someone who just has so many books about so many things and like he is a bit like me in the sense that he loves to write about individual songs when he does his kind of detailed biographies and stuff like that and the criticism and the feel and and the movement and the composition and, and you know all that great stuff but this is slightly different this is the complete illustrated history so you know all the albums get their own reviews and stuff like that, but just in terms of, of booty, just in terms of the posters, the shirts, the images, the backstage passes, and just all the um, you know the liner notes on the, on the rare singles and the adverts and newspapers, and you know this is an absolutely mind-blowing book i adore this book and i think just the the love that has gone into it you know there's even stuff on metallica tribute bands i'm looking at and albums and all their covers and all the stuff they wore and you know where they've played and you know going up until at the time which was very very modern so this is i think this is ends where does this end this ends um with them at Reading 2015. So, you know, still really, really up there. And uh, yeah, I just can't say enough good stuff about this book, really. So, okay, and now we're getting into, you know, I remember these books coming out at the time. This was still before I did the podcast, but this was when I was, uh, you know, thinking about Metallica in, in, in different ways and getting back into the band. This is the two-volume set by Paul Brannigan and Ian Winwood. So the initial volume is Birth, School, Metallica, Death from 1983 to 1991. And the second volume is Into the Black, which is from 91 to 2014. Now, I do really like these. And again, I haven't gone back and read them. I'm just telling you what I felt at the time. I certainly didn't feel that these needed to be two volumes. I think that, you know, Enter Night and... um, you know, Justice for All as well. They cover the same amount of time and they just do it in one volume. They don't necessarily need to sprawl it across these tracks. And I don't know whether it was quite as detailed as I needed it to be in certain points. And it felt a little bit too postmodern, too getting strung up on the idea of Metallica. And I remember, the, I think, the second volume of was with them talking about the Orion Festival and the losses they... and the identity of the band and stuff like that. And, you know, again... I haven't gone back and I'm just kind of plucking one thing out the air to assume the rest. But um, these are still great, you know, ultra authoritative, witty and, and, and well put together. And uh, it was great as well to uh, speak to Paul Brannigan about these books. So uh, let's go back and listen to that. From, from an idea into Big Red, you know, two friends in a pub to actually working on manuscripts. How, how long did that take?
2: uh far too long because of (laughs) the the way the way that we operate but uh i mean i guess the the conversation you know was the initial thing and then we put together a proposal Hmm. and then i've got a a a publishing agent who had set up the deals for the Dave Grohl book so he went and approached the same people and people he knew and it was there was an interest it was you know like five or six different companies in the uk were interested in doing something and um I went with the same, we went with the same American company that I had done my day of book and stuff. So it didn't t- that bit was all fun and games. And then the actual manuscript just took us forever for some reason. <laughs> um, I guess we were constantly trying to add more bits to it. And yeah. yeah, whatever. I mean, I can't remember how long the actual whole process was from start to finish, but it should have been quicker. And I, I certainly our editors would have been a lot happier had it been quicker because they were pulling their hair out by the end of it, just saying, please, please, give us this book. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we got there in the end. Mm-hmm.
0: And was there any, I mean, you know, it's, it's a biography, so indicative of that is the idea of opinions, your takes on things, you know, might be different from certain other takes.
2: Did you ever clash? Did you ever sort of disagree or? Um, the, there's, the, there's albums that Ian likes better than I like, mm-hmm. uh, l- let's say, you know, I mean, I think we're both, fairly solid on the on the first five albums Sure, sure. and um, then I, I actually got to I mean he Ian's a big fan of load mm-hmm. and I actually got to appreciate load more than in the um, in the sort of process uh, and then we're, we're sort of both on board for you know for the more recent albums uh, both of us reviewed St Anger uh, at the time I, I reviewed it for Q magazine he reviewed it for crying and he Got, you know, He gets slightly embarrassed because he got overly excited about St. Anger at the time. Right. In fact, he, he went to the stu- that interview you mentioned they, where they played him back. He was one of the first people to hear St. Anger in a studio and Lars was sitting behind him. And Lars said, you know, what do you think? And Ian, you know, to his horror now says, I think it's about the best thing you've ever reported. <laughs> right. Um, but it's it's easy to be enthusiastic when someone's playing you something you've never heard before. And the band are sitting there staring at you mm-hmm. at the time. You know, it's easy to get. <laughs> carried away um so yeah there are there are you know obviously we don't have a a sort of a one mind on, on everything but uh the way i mean we both sort of both our writing went into the the album reviews but i guess if there was an album that ian felt more whoever was whichever was felt more strongly about the album in question tended to be the one who focused a little more on writing it
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we mentioned earlier mick wall who gave the 5k review for master of obviously mick uh legend you know kerrang legend outside of kerrang written written tons of books including a book about james um a little bit before you did you ever sort of chat you know as kind of fellow employees that sort of any any ideas against each other or uh
2: no i mean i've i've spoken to mick about other things uh and i've sort of commissioned Mick to write things in the past as well yeah. but no I mean you know I, I don't know Mick super well but um, I'd sort of I knew obviously of him as a, as a sort of legendary Karang writer and when we had the magazine's 25th birthday celebrations I made sure to invite him and a lot of the old classic the old school writers who had built Karang's reputation really mm-hmm. to, to the party and stuff but I didn't uh, we didn't like interview Mick for sure. the book or anything i mean obviously his his you know his metallica book is really good as well as a lot of his books are um but i think uh, maybe we felt with mix one that he again he focused uh quite a lot on the years that he was in contact with the band that was the sort of perhaps the predominant mm-hmm. weighting of his book in, in those years and i guess we wanted to try to maybe make it a bit more uh extensive throughout the throughout the career rather than sort of you know going big on them up to the black album and then sort of Oh, and then and then all this happened. You know, we kind of wanted to try and give it equal weighting to all parts of their history.
0: Yes, yeah, and I, I I agree actually because I Into the Black was definitely the one I bought both of them at the same time. But I actually read Into the Black first just because I was quite familiar with their early days. You know, I just actually read Back to the Front, which I don't know if you've seen that. They're sort of the history of Master of Puppets era. That kind of yeah, uh, yeah, copy
2: taking te- me right now. <laughs> oh,
0: right, yeah, yeah, it's such a such a good book. Um, but I, I kind of. I, I, I was desiring really a kind of critical critiquing appreciation of that load era, the S and M, you know, the garage days, that sort of which which the book fulfills. I mean, I want to urge people listening, obviously, to, to pick up this book if you haven't before. It has been a constant companion. But it is what you want, you know. Uh, so many interviews and really all the uh, all the meltdowns, all the successes laid bare. So that is uh, birth, school, Metallica, Death, and Into the Black. Which um, I mean, really, if they're going to do like a, a future volume, perhaps just. Encompass it all in one. I'm from the Mark Lewisohn tune-in school of music criticism. Like I just like, uh, you know, a giant doorstop. So the next book, although I guess it's a graphic novel, really, but they're books in my eyes, is uh, nothing else matters. This is from 2014. This is by Jim McCarthy and Brian Williamson. Now I wasn't familiar with this ever existing. So yeah, this is the graphic history of Metallica told through comic books, told through artwork. I mean. There were Metallica comic books, weren't there, in the early 90s, a bit like Kiss, and I'm sure there were a lot of more tie-ins that they did with various other bands, but um, no, this is a full-on, like, you know, going from the garage days, as it were, up until the modern days, and the artwork's decent, uh, you can see sort of splatterings of it online and stuff, it's quite photorealistic, and uh, the man Joel McIver, Actually gives an intro here to the graphic novel, saying, quote, The book's strength is that it takes these seismic shifts in Metallica's timeline, both good and otherwise, and translates them into visual form and gives us a new way of looking at this simultaneously awe-inspiring and infuriating band. Be very clear that this is not simply a pointless exercise in comic book hackery. In another three decades, and Metallica are performing a charity gig every three years between accountants' meetings and thrash metal is a mere memory, this kind of book, a visually dramatic rendition of lives lived truly to the extreme, will be commonplace. The important point is that Metallica are still here, and still very much a creative force to be reckoned with. They may be past their creative peak, but they live their live presence, boosted for the last 12 years by the near-superhuman bassist Robert Trujillo, is mind-blowing. So, I mean, didn't really speak about the graphic novel at the end there, but... Yeah, there's a graphic novel out there about Metallica. Who knew? I certainly didn't know. And the reviews are decent, actually, as well. The reviews are mostly in Spanish, but some of the English reviews seem to be talking about the illustrations and, uh, you know, it's a great way to tell the story. So, yeah, there is a, a graphic novel on Metallica out there. 2015. 2015 takes us into 33 and a third territory are you guys familiar with 33 and a third so this is a series of books they're small kind of pocket books each one's about an album each one is written by a music critic and it's basically kind of um you know going in depth on uh, the making of the record the dramaturgy of the record and also how it impacted the writer on their lives and i've got to be honest with you like whenever i've tried to read one of these i've always found them a little bit insular and snarky and, and, and not that educative um, you know I had the one on Let It Be by Replacements which on one of my all time favorite albums and obviously you guys know that I you know Giant Tom Waits Acolyte and there was one written on Swordfish Trombones and with both of them there wasn't enough teeth sinking into the music and the studio craft and there was too much about oh I listened to this album over the summer and you know da, 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 first girlfriend etc look I don't want to tar every single one with the same brush Uh and by the sounds of it this is not a bad version here Um but uh yeah so it's interesting nonetheless that because 33 and a third is kind of establishing or echoing the kind of modern music canon so of course metallica are in there and this is a book by uh david Maschiotra. i hope i'm saying that right david um and uh yeah people are reviewing it well you know apparently it's well researched and it goes into the cultural impact um, let's have a look what it says in the blurb here uh, Masciatra takes the reader into the recording studio giving the Metallica's account of how their most successful and famous record was born and learned to walk into every radio station and stadium stage around the world uh, Masciatra not only talks to band about the making of the album but also the stories that inspired the songs da 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 now um, you know I was looking through the reviews and thinking okay yeah everyone's saying it's good da 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 but is anyone going to have the same point as me is anyone going to find them a little bit too big for their breaches too high for looting and there was someone in the reviews quoting something ridiculous from 33 and the third so apparently this is said quote Hammett's guitar is right there with him like a snake charmer of the spirit of his six strings okay not bad so far he's summoning the emotional avidity and complexity of the song the second verse performs an autopsy of Kierkegaard's allegorical corpse what I mean look we've, we've taken that out of context maybe that's a profound description of um I wonder what he's talking about there Maybe I've got a feeling it might be Kekuha's allegorical corpse. I don't even want to get into those wars. Let us know at if you've read thirty-three and a third, and you can uh, clarify that. So uh, yeah, loads of other books still to come. Of course, we had the book that I went on Metallica podcast for the first time. Uh, this is the book that kickstarted *Out Metallica*. Essentially, I remember seeing this book was coming out at the end of 2016 and uh you know getting an insight into just how detailed it is of course i'm talking about back to the front this is the fully authorized visual history of the master of the puppets album tour written by matt taylor with a foreword by james Hepfield and an afterword by ray burton this is on the 30th anniversary And I got this, and then I was just like, I need to do a podcast about fucking Metallica. Of course I do. And then it was quite a few months later, I think like May 2017, I actually did it. But um, yeah, this, I I cannot say enough good things about this book. I cannot get over how detailed it is, how it, you know, opens with, well, it opens actually with, um, uh, you know, James saying I oh, miss Cliff that's how it opens in capital letters which is tragic and then going forward from there into um, the introduction which is simultaneously charting the ill-fated bus ride and the history the early history of the band and then going through into the studio and just all the photos that are here all the candid stuff that we're seeing of just them just on the beach with their women and then them on you know day on the green and then with Fleming and then with Ozzy, and all these fan photos and them doing signings and the whole thing is told as an oral history as well. So you have like tour managers and obviously all the guys themselves. And I just really, this book floored me. Like, you know, I've seen a lot of kind of coffee table books and histories of various things, but never one made with such love in such a definitive manner. And I know that there's, you know, because we're building up now, I guess, to the Black Album um, you know, the, the, the re releases or whatever, the box sets. And I think in the Justice box set, which is already out, there is a um a book similar to this, which I would love to get my hands on, I wish I could just buy that outright. But um but yeah, this I mean yeah, this is my favourite Metallica book ever. Uh, back to the front and it's not because it's official although obviously that does help but it's just because of the uh the, the level of detail and the, the the energy that rings through it and the purity and just to see all this stuff to see the Aussie backstage passes and then you know the candid super 8 footage of like you know where Clint would go in the mountains and then Kirk's stuff of his toys and oh man just uh, just a treat just an absolute treat 2016 as well saw the release of a Cliff Burton book To Live Is To Die The Life and Death of Metallica's Cliff Burton by Joel McIver who we've mentioned a few times on this show this is again a terrific book you know I love the fact that it's just written about Cliff. Obviously, it's the history of Metallica as well. It has to be. But there's so many interviews here with so many people that I don't think I'd ever heard spoken to before in books. So uh, Cliff's early bass teacher, Steve Doherty, Cliff's girlfriend at the time of his death. Um, you know, we had um, Cliff's first guitar tech and the Metallica's fan club manager, uh, KJ Dalton. Oh, that was KJ Dalton, the first fan club manager. I didn't realise that. So there we go. I'm learning something new on the show as well. Um, and the first reporter at the scene, the photographer at the site of the crash. And uh, yeah. This is a wonderful edition, um, really detailed as well. You know, it's like two hundred and thirty, almost 20, yeah, more than two hundred and fifty pages with a lot of photos, signal in between, lots of great interviews of everyone associated with him. Uh, Joel is a fantastic writer, no doubt, and um, you know, just seems to be entranced as we all are with Cliff. And the sections that I like best in this book are the ones where he goes into depth on stuff like Tulu and you know Ryan and Cliff's compositional nous. So yeah, that was uh, 2016's *To Live Is to Die*, the life and death of Metallica cliff burton and of course as we always say rest in peace cliff book about james hetfield was written in 2017 so let it be written although i've seen it called other things as well i think it's called like of metal and man as well i want to say uh that's going out there so um yeah this is by uh mark Eglinton, and it didn't get the best reviews it didn't seem to at least i think a lot of people saying it was a little sloppily written um yeah, the author never interviewed James Hetfield. It was like I watched a bunch of YouTube videos that included some anecdotes. Same old, same old, people are saying as well. And how this is more a book about Metallica than James Hetfield. So I think, you know, while well, Joel's book was great, it really kind of um, was steadfast in its approach. The, uh, the The, you know, the James book... It's kind of a Metallica book. Obviously, James is Metallica, Metallica is James, but you do want just a James book, don't you, rather than just it becoming the same old, you know, Sweet Silence, etc., etc. et cetera. So, uh, yeah, there was the book there uh, that, again, I haven't read. But if you have read, let me know. Getting to the end now, guys. Only a few more left. There was a uh, a book from 2019 last year, Chris Ingham's Stories Behind the Songs. So that's kind of what we do at Alpha Metallica here, where from what i gather from looking at the previews on amazon and stuff like that he's going through each track and doing a little bit of critical analysis and stuff like that and uh you know a very worthy expedition certainly um As I say, it's kind of what we do here. Uh, I wouldn't mind going through that, but I've not seen that book anywhere out there. There was Metallica's official book as well that they brought out for the holiday period. This is the ABCs of Metallica. So Metallica are named as authors here with Howie Abrams co-writing and illustrations by Michael Caves McLear. Now, uh, I haven't actually seen this book in the wild, but I think this book is absolutely brilliant in the sense that it kind of just transplants Uh, Metallica's humour and style into a more infantile mode without sacrificing anything so uh, looking here you know you have the ABCD etc etc so for each page is a letter and then a kind of small little kind of playful limerick poem type thing so uh, C oh man C is for Cliff and there's a photo of Cliff as an angel playing bass C is for Cliff The major rager, they would say. So mesmerizing to watch every time he'd play. Dressed in denim from head to toe, often with a misfit's tee, and a wild mane of red hair, flying around for all to see. He played his bass like a master. His music was a gift to all. Among the greatest musicians in history, Cliff Burton will forever stand tall. And then on... uh, G as well. G is for Garage Days. Now, this is accompanied by a really cool cartoony photo of Finn Lizzie With Eric Bell at the back there. Phil up front. Scott Gorham and Eric Robertson there. And uh, G for Garage Days. Metallica's humblest time, practicing for hours and hours to make sure their act would shine. They started playing songs by British bands and American mm. ones, certainly. There were even two from Ireland: Sweet Savage and Finn Lizzie. Is Finn Lizzy and certainly, yeah, kind of Some of the other groups were Killing Joke, Merciful Fate, and Budgie. Indeed, Queen, Bob Seger, Anti-Nowhere League, and Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. I mean. I don't know if little Johnny would want this read to him at night time, but I still love the idea and the execution seems terrific and the ratings are amazing as well. People are uh, besotted with this and quite rightly so. What else do we have here? I think that might be the end really. Oh no, we've got a few more. So there's a book by Malcolm Dome. Uh, who's another Kerrang journalist and you often see him as a talking head in a lot of these kind of fresh documentaries and stuff seems like a really uh, intelligent insightful dude he did a stories behind the songs kind of book maybe with Mick Wall actually I can't remember what it's called but I used to have that and that again would just take each track and do like a paragraph or something like that so that was there and of course we have a book coming out soon uh, Reclaimed Rust this is coming out September 1st this year 2020 it's going to be a hardcover Reclaimed Rust the four wheeled creations of James Hetfield James Hetfield Metallica's frontman opens up his garage for an exclusive tour of the highlights of his incredible collection of restored and customised classic cars millions know James as the frontman of Metallica but the acclaimed singer has enjoyed another lifelong passion restoring and customising classic cars into magnificent pieces of automotive art from cars such as the Skyscraper to the Aquarius and the Black Pearl James Hetfield's collection of beautifully reimagined classic automobiles is truly stunning. For the first time, Hetfield is opening up his garage and inviting readers to dive under the hood of some of these internationally lauded classics. Featuring dynamic, specially commissioned photography of the cars and insight from Hetfield into their creation, the book is a unique opportunity to learn about the Metallica frontman's passion for creating bespoke classic cars. So uh, yeah, I think there was something at the Peterson Automotive Museum in L.A and James did that round table, that fireside chat, or whatever, which is his first rehab thing, uh, which was great to see, and you can see um, all of that on YouTube as well, I think the guy who filmed that was on um, your podcast had an awesome interview with Clint as well, go listen to that, so um, so yeah, I mean, you know, like all these exhibitions, inevitably you get these kind of catalogue tie-ins, but because it's James, it's a little more interesting, I would like to leaf through this, you know, maybe I'll torrent a PDF of this, I don't think I'll buy a book, I have no interest in cars, personally, and especially like, kind of art that James makes for these cars doesn't, I mean, yeah, doesn't really intrigue me in any way. But I would like to read the introduction. I would like to just, you know, have a flick through. So uh, that's something to look forward to. And that pretty much brings us to the end of our exploration of Metallica books. There are going to be loads of books that I've missed. There are going to be uh, loads of things that I've probably uh, misquoted or misattributed or whatever uh, in in my recollective thoughts uh, because it's been a while since i read any of these books, to be honest with you. But this has been fun. As I say, this has been a kind of freewheeling, you know, open thing. I've not really put too many notes together apart from kind of the ordering and stuff like that. So do let me know. MetallicaPod at any of these books that you read, what are your favourite books, what are your least favourite books? What do you think of those books? What are your best passages from those books? What would you like for the future from Metallica books? Because, you know, we've had enough biographies now. I don't, you know, like I mentioned tuning in before Mark Lewis and people might be aware of this biography where it's basically uh, you know, the Beatles book where I think it's like a thousand pages long. Uh, It's going to be three volumes, and it's very small text as well, very heavily annotated, and lots of footnotes. And it's a 1,000 pages long, and it ends, the first book ends, we're still waiting for volume two, when they've just recorded a debut album. So (laughs) it it takes like a 100 pages of just kind of them being kids. I don't really think we need that for Metallica, and I don't think Metallica are the sort of band that, you know, like the Beatles maybe just has that much to get into. I think the story's been told. I would like to see an autobiography or two, you know i i i don't think we'd ever hear a james one i don't think kirk either or rob but lars if someone's gonna do uh you know uh, some sort of memoir if someone's gonna do a really open uh, just something that you know interrogates the soul someone that dips into his own diaries and i i i would love i would absolutely love to do that and uh, do that yeah i'd love to co-write that with you lars but i'm sure joel is uh, first on the list there but no Seminar, that would be cool. And, um, you know, just to let you guys know as well, I have mentioned this before on the show, there will eventually, probably, definitely, maybe be an Alf Metallica book. book. Um, it would take a lot of work to do, but I would like to transcribe every episode. So we would basically have, you know, a big book where each song would be like. So it'd only be like when we talk about the song and stuff like that. Transcribe each episode. So we'd have like the. Insight into the songs with the guests. It would be a bit like um, back to the front. So it'd be like a conversation thing. You'd be like, you know, I talk and the guest talk. Da da da. And then maybe transcribe some of the big interviews that I've done, like the stuff that I've done with Ray, uh, you know, or with Fleming or, or Joel, for example, or Martin. And um, maybe transcribe some of the top tens that we've done, or the reviews, or the or the looks into the you know when the boys have guested on other records, or uh, when we looked, me and Dave looked at Metal Masker Volume One and all those sort of things. Like, I would like to do something like that the problem is it just takes so long like i have on the patreon put up a few pages of transcriptions and the reaction's been good but just to do like one song takes hours and hours so just to kind of you know to say that that would take 160 of those things would be a long time and then it's like if you do it and no one really cares and no one buys it is it worth it and then should you be doing it for that reason anyway but I don't know, I'm rambling at the end of this episode because I've had no one to tell me to shut up, so uh, this has been a joy. As always, uh, you know, buy books, go to your local library when the world reopens, and um, you know, I, I love I live in Oxford, I go to our central library often. they have a great music section, they have tons of Metallica books there. I'm sure at any of your local libraries around the world, they will be well stocked uh, with Metallica literature. So yeah, this has been Tom. Uh, follow us at Metallica Pod. If you enjoy the show, you can go on to Patreon. You can support us there. You get episodes like this first. You can see some of the pages that I'm working on for the Metallica book. Uh, the next episode that I'm working towards, I'm going to record in about a week or so after this coming out. Uh, ah. That I'm gonna record about a week or so from now uh, is gonna be on the 30th anniversary shows. So we're gonna get Rob on for that and we're gonna go through every track on there and all the Jim Brewer questions and, and the brass band and Sweet Savage and oh, yeah, all of that stuff. So uh, yeah, as always, this has been Tom. Check us out on iTunes, leave review, at Metallica Pod. What Al Snavin mentioned, tell a friend about the show as well. Uh, check out the Met like Your Podcast episode as well, where I went on and we spoke about that to the front because, uh, yeah, we go in depth on that book as well. So, uh, yeah, as always, guys, I'll be back shortly. Stay safe and uh, adios.